0: enter the crib your strike back sit rep starts in three two one wait do we go on zero
1: all right welcome back guys we are so excited we are talking about episode eight of warrior i'm kelsey and i'm deb today we have uh none other than the villain of all villains buckley (laughs) langley kirkwood stops by to chat with us about this monumental episode so
0: who could not be further from buckley than such a nice man
1: yes thankfully very kind (laughs) super interesting so yeah that was a great uh you know buckley's still a dick but yeah so a big episode to talk about with him so yes uh deb what were your thoughts on episode eight
0: my overriding thought throughout the whole thing was i can't believe that this was written over two years ago Mm -hmm. when there's so much that happened in tonight's episode that is almost right out of the mouths of people today (laughs) just unbelievable there were you know when buckley was talking to the chief of police and he said you know we need to get a handle on this it's important that people think we have this all under control and the chief says even when we don't yeah right especially when we don't oh yeah. my. wow yeah. <laughs> those oh, words no. are so it's unbelievable they wrote it before any of what is happening now happened and yet so much that happened tonight could be right out of the headlines today yeah Ugh. it
1: was a stressful episode I Very. mean we started off with kind of like I was gonna say fun but it was like a lot of dead people but it was like fun the way they presented it where you have right. you know Hong and Assam and Young June. they're just had kicking back having a little chit chat little banter and then like <laughs> the pan out and you're like oh shit they just slaughtered Everybody,
0: see you later, Feng Hai. <laughs> yeah,
1: so you know, a little lighthearted fun, and then it just that was, was great
0: though. That ban- was. banter was awesome. That yes. was that was strike back level banter. That was yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, I yes, I just I like love those three together, and then stress for like the entire rest of the episode. Can we go out of order and just say Sophie is my entire what the fuck? Like, <laughs> She just, I'm just like, yeah, what the fuck, Sophie? I mean,
0: seriously. Here's my question Do you think, because Sophie was when the mayor was killed, right? She was there. But she was unconscious. Oh, she was unconscious. Well, so yeah, she didn't or... actually see Jacob. No, but she put it together. Remember yeah, Jacob? that's she what I wanted it. to know, was it? Yes. 'Cause she's sitting there I, and
1: she's like, Wait, it wasn't me and it wasn't oh it had to be Yeah, you yeah. could
0: see her thinking, What yes. what what happened here? What happened here? Yeah. And so again it was just Sophie blurting it out. it out, yes.
1: <sighs> well, and it's one of those where she's like, Better him than us. And I'm like, they would not have put you in jail or or whatever it is or killed whatever it is they're gonna do to Jacob to two white women. Right. Like, you could have taken the hit on this and been okay. But... Probably. Yeah. I mean, probably. Or at least probably more okay than having to flee and hide in a, right. you know, shop like Jacob is. I mean, it was... Oh, God. God. Yeah, the, it was just stressful. This episode, she was absolutely my entire. What the fuck was just her? She is fucked everything up. <laughs> She's best, Bill. <laughs> he, he thinks he's smarter. He's not, <laughs> and she does it sort of like out of s- true stupidity, and and not even just like willing
0: naivety. Yeah, you know, and you know it just the further we get into this the her lack of world experience and her immaturity keeps coming out in the work with the worst consequences yeah at least then that time she meant well (laughs) (sighs) yeah uh sophie
1: uh But again, that, you know, we say meant well, but it's like, it's what, you know, so it's, it's willing naivety. She knows, she's seen how the Chinese are treated. Right. And Jacob just saved her sister's life and probably hers. Because if, mm-hmm. if the mayor had killed his sister, he would have almost assuredly killed her. Right. And, and probably set Jacob up for it. <laughs> what was your what the fuck of the night
0: oh man there were several um the opening with Buckley oh my god that was Mm. that was horrific I mean Hmm. at least we understand more of where Buckley's coming from now like we have some context into his
1: into his weirdness not into his dickness
0: and you know his OCD and yeah uh, yeah oh god that was just horrifying and when you think of how many people went through that yeah you know oh god almighty I just ugh. yeah that was beyond horrific but yeah it's the hit on Atoy was hmm. I'm gonna go with the hit on Atoy because even though we knew something was coming
1: yeah
0: oh god it, that it was... sort of wasn't in the front of our minds anymore because no. there was so much immediate yes stuff going on that you kind of forgot about the fact that her partner was putting a hit out on her yeah and so when they showed up at first i was like that's weird they're there and then oh okay that's the hitmen. you know oh and that it was that was that was obviously my fight of the night as well Mm -hmm. because we didn't really have much in the way of fights last night um but wow that was brutal yeah. Oh. It was,
1: uh, it was, oh, yeah, it
0: was hard to watch
1: it because I mean, it just beat the shit out of her yeah. and she was so desperate and it is so hurt now. And it was, it did, you're right. Because when they first walked in, I was like, I didn't recognize them mm-hmm. because it was such like a brief introduction to them. And so I thought, well, like, Here's some like dirty cops come to like try to shake have sex her with her, shake yeah. her down or whatever. And then it was like, oh, oh shit, you know? And it was hard. It was hard to watch. It just, it, it was really it, awful. Like you could just feel
0: her pain. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> we're not used to seeing Atoy not have the upper hand. So that, you know, the fact that they, brutalized her and when we're used to seeing her just so efficiently you know get rid of the baddies <laughs> was god that was just awful yeah oh, oh. It,
1: yeah i mean i just pictured her crawling so, up the stairs oh. and they were so strong yeah uh, that was that was my fight as well but again because like you said my other i was like well i could pick the fungi and make it the
0: off <laughs> the off-camera, the off-camera fight. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. There was also the fight between Lee and Bill, which wasn't
1: yeah much
0: of a physical fight. Yeah, but yeah.
2: you know that was
0: definitely Holy. the I know exactly who you are now, Bill. You oh. know, and the fact that Bill would shove his big secret in his face so
1: publicly—that
0: <sighs> was pretty awful.
1: Yeah that's more like an emotional moment than a fight. God yeah. damn it, Bill. <sighs> <laughs> poor Lee. I just, my heart breaks for him. He just, he has tried so hard to do the right thing and been dragged into so much shit. I don't know. I know it's like, he's a big boy. He could take
0: care of himself, but I'm also like, no, oh, he's- poor baby. He's pretty much a broken man at this point. I mean, he's addicted to drugs. You know, he's Devastated lost by the, the only integrity. family had left. Yeah. Yeah. He, and and the one thing he had was his job, and that has no integrity left to it anymore. And he's being forced into this race war, basically. And we know that's not who he is. So. Yeah. God. And he looks like shit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a whole lot of white pancake makeup going on with him,
1: <laughs> man, so bad oh. yeah, what it, was your emotional moment then
0: uh well i I did write the Buckley opener as as an emotional moment as well, oh. just because it was so horrifying. I mean, ugh. it was i i you can't. It was another one of those scenes where I was like, okay, I'm going to turn the sound down on this now because this is horrific. Yo. Ugh. There was also the moment <clears throat> between Bill and Chow when mm-hmm. Chow was getting roughed up and mm-hmm. Bill intervened. And just a whole lot of honesty going on between the two of them. And then I just thought, you know, when Bill said, hey, Chow, I really am sorry. you know? Yeah. And that moment of it's yeah. at some level it still matters to bill that yeah he has some level of integrity left you know so i i wrote that down as well because i thought that was bill's trying <laughs> sort of i kind of
1: felt that moment was like such a after the fact like white guilt kind of thing and yeah. i could just like feel chow's like who the fuck cares if you're sorry, you yeah. know, like you're sorry means nothing compared to everything else, you know, uh, at this point, which is so hard for everybody, but yeah, Chow, he's running out of places to hide, yeah. you know, and that's, yeah. yeah,
0: that's scary. This, yeah, this, this episode was gut-wrenching. You could just see all the all the sides lining up yeah all the dominoes falling yeah yeah and you know the scene between Atoy and Nellie when Atoy kicked her out <sighs> that was so one, sad I, one bit of happiness the woman has and I have hope
1: they'll figure it out Davenport does not seem like the give up easy type
0: no so, not at all not you at
1: know all. I, I feel like it'll because Atoy needs that she needs a little light in her life and I was really impressed that Davenport tried to fight those guys as well. I mean, yeah. ineptly, but you know, she did, and she did not turn away from Atoy when she saw what Atoy could do or how right. brutal Atoy could be. You know, and I thought that was, I thought that was impressive because you could see, you know, you see more that she's not. You know the rich dilettante she is she has been in the shit with these people and she hasn't experienced it but she's seen enough to be able to still stand there i thought was impressive
0: mm-hmm. yeah i hope she's i hope we see more of her that would, it would be awful if she wasn't if yeah she just left
1: yeah i think um for sure though buckley okay so the opening scene and and you have said and you said it our in our interview, I think, with Langley that like it makes you understand him more. We have like more empathy. And I just am like, no, I do not <laughs> because like, yes, yes, I understand. That was a terrible experience. And that might make you human touch, yes, you don't like that. OCD about being kind so you don't get your <clears throat> That was so gross, his leg. But having to get your leg sawed off does not explain racism
0: right or like
1: power hungriness or ruthlessness (laughs) or like just general being an asshole (laughs) so i'm like fuck buckley i don't care about his leg
0: (laughs) well and buckley's getting what he wants he's got his chaos so oh man Man, scene
1: with the cops going into chinatown was so crazy And, you know, I just think about, like you said, with stuff that's going on today and seeing this sort of confluence of two forces colliding and how that can be used and how those two forces can be manipulated against each other Mm -hmm. in different ways is like.
0: Well, think about all the, the layers of this right now, because it's it isn't just two forces i mean we've got the police we have the working man yeah in this case the irish yeah the chinese all the different tongs within the chinese you know and women yeah (laughs) and like everybody's kind of now having to regroup and get into their corners and wait for what's coming because clearly something awful is coming Meanwhile, poor Jacob is hiding out. You know, all of this centering around this one man who is desperate to get out of this. You know, when you think about how small of a physical area we're actually talking about with Chinatown, I love the line that it's not, you know, it may not be very big, but it's very deep mm. in the layers of what's going on and how difficult breaking through all those layers might be to find the one man yeah I mean so many d- different references like oh you know we don't all know each other we don't all look the same yeah. you know oh just so many and the the title you know with Buckley getting sworn in all enemies foreign and domestic I'm like yeah dude that's you <laughs> you are the enemy oh man oh. It's a lot.
1: There's a lot going on. And so much, yet so much still to tie up. Yeah. And so, you know, questions for next time, obviously. I think the big one is what's going to happen to Jacob and what is that going to set off
0: in the city? Will Chow help him or not? Yeah, because, you know, Chow's used to be in that, you know, he's Switzerland, or at least he used to be, and he's increasingly being forced to take sides I think if it was last season I would have said yes he would help him but yeah now I, I don't know now yeah there's so much on the line for him if he does yeah. you know and then you throw Leary's men in and Leary seeing this as an opportunity for his men to be employed and these are people who have made you know there's no secret they want the chinese gone so they're gonna just go if if they get deputizing the proud boys exactly that's exactly what it is and you know his line to the men that it was my boot on his neck yes and when that i mean that was written so long ago yep and yet and yet we have a shooter Yeah, he
1: now who who decided it was upon him to go and somewhere that was not his home and protect, you know, protect, in quotation marks, Mm -hmm. you know, property and and shot protesters and that is, that's the position that Leary's men and and wanting it, you know, like welcoming the violent Mm -hmm. part of it.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is very. It was my boot on his neck. I delivered the message. My God.
1: Things are going to get so much worse. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how hard this
0: episode was and how stressful it was. And it just didn't stop coming, you know? And yet, with the exception really of the fight, with Atoy's fight for her life, you know, there wasn't that sort of in-your-face action that we usually get. It was all just the strategic setup. Yeah. I'd
1: say that the cups going through... And like ransacking Chinatown was pretty, like, I, that was like not as hard to watch as Ottoid, but it was close because it was so, like, these people are totally innocent and they're just mm-hmm. like turning carts over and throwing stuff around and they don't care. They are told to get your man no matter what, take everybody, you know? Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Just <sighs> so much Barge coming.
0: in. Ask questions later.
1: Yeah. So yeah, so much coming, so much set up for violence. <laughs> Cause I can't imagine that we're gonna get anything but violence. So yeah, big episode and and we get to talk to Langley Kirkwood, who is not Buckley but is Buckley.
0: <laughs> who plays Buckley very, very well.
1: Yes, plays Buckley very well. Uh makes him very but distasteful for being is- such a kind man. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Yep. so stick around to hear from him
2: we're not at Xville. stay with us at the crib all right welcome back
1: guys we are so excited for our episode eight guests um although one of our favorite actors he is one of our least favorite characters the man who somehow makes walking into an office and sitting in a chair seem creepy as hell we are so excited to have from Banshee Strike Back two of our favorites and now warrior Langley Kirkwood. Thank you so much for coming on. We are excited. So let me just ask you, to me, the most important question What is up with Buckley? He is seriously. No, okay, but we, we can't know everything that's up with Buckley. But how do you exude so much creep in just walking? Mm. The, like it gives the audience chills. How do you go about doing that?
2: Well, um, I I guess what's what's great about well, episode eight in season two. It gives the audience uh, more than just a glimpse into who Walter Buckley actually is. How do I do that? How do I. How do I find that? You know, I've never I've never thought of him as a creep. I love him, um, and I've always thought of him. Uh, as a really kind of layered man. And, and, we're, and we, before we started shooting the pilot, Jonathan Tropper gave me some insight into his background and said, this is what we'll discover about him later on okay. um, in season two, uh, that he is a Civil War veteran. We'll, we'll, we'll find that out. Uh, we'll um, find out more about his trauma, how he lost his leg, uh and, and the, the many layers to him. So I never really played, try you know, trying to creep <laughs> anyone out or creep anyone out. He is, I suppose he comes across as, as slightly creepy because he has so much to hide. Mm. So much of what of what what and who Walter Buckley presents of himself to the real world is hidden. And he really is, you know, just that tiny bit of the iceberg peeking out at the top of the water. That's all the real world gets to see of of the man and who he really is. And what and what he's hiding underneath is is vast. There's there's so much there. And I think that's what is so great about you know, working with Jonathan. And, you know, the, the characters that he creates, the characters that he created on Banshee, the characters that he's created for this show. There's there's no real good or bad. You've just got really complex layered human characters. And I think there's, 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 bits, there's elements to all these characters, no matter how much you love to hate them, that we can all identify with. And that's what I love so much about his writing. Is that it makes it makes it it's such a joy for actors to play any of the characters and to bring any of them to to life and bring them to the screen because they are just so nuanced and there are so many different sides to these characters that come out in the most unexpected ways and take you by surprise. You know, this ep- episode eight for me was. Without a doubt, it was. It was. I knew it was coming. I knew that we were going to have this kind of coming out ball for Buckley, and the world was going to see a little bit more of who he actually is and what makes him tick. And when we, you know, when we when we open the episode, I think it's. I think we've got a little preamble to episode eight. Uh, the 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 Hai guys with with and yeah. yeah. Young Jun just, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> just hanging out, chilling.
2: Hanging out, chilling. As as one does when one is just obliterated an entire time. <laughs> just having a bit of, you know, <laughs> a, bit of, a bit of food with Hong. I think post-credits, you open on the, it's the, the Civil War kind of hospital scene. And I mean, in terms of watching the episode, that was just, for me, that was just, I just thought, wow, they really, really nailed it with that. Getting the the sense of the horror of, of war and, uh, and what that must have been like in that, in that time, uh, the kind of awfulness of fear, a field hospital in, in, in that period. Um, but when we open with, with that and the audience gets to see that side of Buckley, I mean, it took me by surprise, even though I'd formed in the scene and read it so many times, when I actually got to watch the scene I really kind of sat back and went, wow, this guy's, he's, he's, he's gone through so much. He's really, you know, he's dealing, he's living with a lot of trauma. And so I suppose that it, it gives the, you know, the, the audience an insight into so much more of what makes him tick and his weird idiosyncratic um, kind of OCD behavior around cleanliness and, and hygiene and, you know, his his intense germophobia and his intense phobia about being touched because I suppose he's still carrying these traumatic wounds from, essentially, the last time he was touched was by the surgeon taking his leg. Um, and then we see why he's got this, also this weird uh, predilection for, for uh, redheaded women because there's this kind of angel of, mercy who comes down and and kind of looks after him while he's in the hospital bed and and calms him down and gets him back to some layer or level of of sanity and calmness before they s- saw through his leg without anesthetic or without anything i mean can you imagine how <laughs> horrific that must have been so you know then you you suddenly you, you i don't know i guess when you know I read the scene for the first time i was like Okay, so this guy's, you know, he's not the nerdy, booky kind of soft guy that we kind of, that, that he presents to the world. I think there was a hint of that, you know, if you recall, in, in towards the end of season one, when he and, and, and Leary have their little uh, run-in up against Buckley's carriage. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He does say to Leary then, you know, I'm, I'm not like anyone you've ever met before. And I think what he's, you know, alluding to then is don't underestimate me. There's a, there's a lot more steel in this guy than meets the eye. And he's, you know, he doesn't appear to be a tough guy on the outside, but on the inside, he's, he's, he's survived a lot. And he's gone through, through so much. So, you know, when he, when he, when he gets confronted with the, when he gets woken up, out of that dream, out of that nightmare, that flashback nightmare, and confronted with the news that Mayor Blake has been bludgeoned to death in his own home. Instantly see the political animal that he is at work. Before it's even sunk in that he is now the mayor, he's already thinking about how he can work this. Yeah. To his political advantage and and then and to to his own ends in terms of you know inciting xenophobic animosity and hatred towards the Chinese community. So he's really, you know, he's, he's, he's a man on a mission. He's incredibly focused on, on what he wants to do and how he's going to do it. Uh, and then it was, it, it was really fun kind of being able to play that moment of him really literally stepping into his power as a character and stepping out from the shadows where he's been hiding for season one and two, and, and 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 you know, he realizes that this is his moment, and it wasn't what he planned, but he's going to seize it, and he steps out from the darkness, from the shadows, into the the glare of the paparazzi, <laughs> to the political limelight. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way you put that, and it. I, this is why I love these interviews because it paints it in such a different light. Because I think about what for me has been the craziest, creepiest Buckley scene, episode three, the bath, the bathing and the gloves. And we were like, it's Dexter. He's washing her. He's going (laughs) to kill her. Like there's some big thing. And you're like, he's a germaphobe. Like it's, you know, it's this thing. And it was like, oh, that makes so much sense. We were just like, this is so sinister. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's it. I mean, it's really that's what Jonathan wanted. He wanted to, he wanted to the the audience to think, Oh God, she's, he's like a Jack, the Ripper character. He's, he's, he's psycho. And, uh, this poor, poor young woman is, is, is gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna end up dead in the the (laughs) bottom of the bathtub or something. And, um, and it's not, it's this, this is, this is as close as he can get to intimacy. And it's, uh, I think, the only time he can actually bring himself to touch another human being uh, is is by cleaning them, by washing them. And it is, it's the, it's the woman with the red hair. It's, and in a sense, it's. I always thought of it when it, when we were shooting that scene. I think it was David Petrarca who who shot that episode. Um, who is, you know, David? He's got a big theater background before he moved into directing TV and film. And uh, I remember discussing that with him, that it was almost, it was, there was something Shakespearean about it. It was, it was a lot like, you know, Lady Macbeth, where she can't, she can't get the blood, she just sees the blood on her hands, and it was a lot like that. It's, he's, he's repeatedly needing to wash the blood out of her hair because the last image he saw in the hospital before kind of losing it was her hair being splattered with his blood which is why that shot in the in the hospital scene is so important and it was so I mean they really nailed that one as well. But um you know there's this is, yeah, this is why this this show is is certainly you know it's it's so much more than just another action show it's so Absolutely. much more than just yeah. another kung fu show there's so many different layers of human psychology at play here.
0: Exactly and that's you know, which is not unique to Cinemax, you know, most of the right. action shows on Cinemax have those really densely layered characters. And, yeah. which is why we love it, you know, it's like, yeah. only reviewers would get that. But um, it's, I, I want to talk about what you said about Buckley finally getting what he wanted in terms of political yeah. power. because. I just, I sort of saw that differently when he was in the, in the carriage with Mei Ling. I'm thinking, you know, yes, he wanted to be able to manipulate the situations. He wanted to be able to have that sort of under the radar power. Yeah. But now he's directly responsible for anything that happens. Yes. So, so how is he, yeah, how is he going to, how is he going to navigate those waters that he's, he isn't in the shadows anymore? It's right. all going to fall on you. And so has he actually lost some
2: power now? Well, this is, you know, what, what, what I suppose is set up so nicely in also in episode eight with the scene with between him and he and Myling Ling uh, in the carriage and their mm-hmm. usual the usual meeting spot in the carriage <laughs> the dark alleyway in Chinatown yeah. <laughs> is is that he he still thinks that he holds the high ground mm-hmm. in that relationship and he doesn't know that there are you know elements at play here that are potentially you know shifting the power relationship the power dynamic in the relationship 180 degrees mm-hmm and so you know in that point in episode eight he still thinks that he has complete and absolute power over over my um not knowing what is afoot <laughs> <laughs> that, that that perhaps, perhaps the, bar, the
0: chaos he wanted is a little bigger
2: <laughs> yeah well he's certainly got the blood in the streets that he's wanted you know that's Ugh. And and and, you know it's it's, it looks like it's 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 heading that way. There's the tension is building in this episode, and it looks like something's got to give. Heading towards the end of the season, and uh, and we're not sure what it is, but he's certainly doing everything that he can. Um, It's like he's you know I remember in the EPK we did for this there was there was. We spoke of a, it being like a powder keg. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was. Um, that's what I see him. I see him, Buckley is carrying a, a keg full of gunpowder and he's kind of laying trails of it all over San Francisco. And all of those trails are leading up to the entrance to Chinatown. And he's stacking these powder kegs at the entrance of Chinatown. And something is going to go down. We don't know what but it's, it's, um, he's certainly laying the groundwork and, and needing My Ling's help to do that. And he doesn't, he underestimates her, I think. You know, this is, yeah. this is always, this is, I guess, always a, it's the, it's, it's a, I suppose, a common mistake and, a, and pitfall with politicians newly stepping into power is that, a, I guess, that power can go to their heads and i guess we need to wait and see whether whether power goes so so much so far to buck, up buckley's head that that he overreaches but uh he's a he's a smart guy so uh yeah he's uh, i guess will i can't i can't give too much away about 9 and 10 <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's um when you guys when you guys reached out to me about this this interview you asked me what my favorite episode was it's definitely episode eight for for the reasons of of buckley and my character and and it was i I felt this was his episode this was his kind of this was him stepping out and uh i mean there's there's so many other elements to to this episode that i loved as well there's that the you know, obviously, the opening scene that we mentioned with with uh, Asam and, and Young Jun and uh, Chen's character Hong, hanging out, just you know, shooting the breeze.
1: We love shooting them. the breeze yeah, over yeah. And that, like, pan back, I and you're like, like oh my yeah. god, they're surrounded yeah. by dead bodies.
2: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, it was great. So I loved that, but then I also loved. There was another scene in this episode between Young Jun and Father Jun, and it was. I, I felt that that was my favorite scene between the two of them in the entire series because it was the first time where you just saw a, a dad giving advice to his kid.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and I'm a dad to adult kids. And I uh, I could really relate to that. And it was so nice to see that we hadn't had the chance to see that dynamic while Father June was running the, the tong. And so for the first time, we were able to see, you know... Um, a relationship that's, I wouldn't say devoid of ego, but most of the ego is gone now. And it's not about who's in charge. It's just about a father giving advice to a son that he loves. Um, I'm getting all weep here.
0: <laughs> no, I cried during it because it's like all yeah. young June has really wanted. Always
2: wanted. He just connection. wanted his father to see him. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that was a beautiful scene. And then there's so much going on with with bill and lee and their their relationship and where it's at you know uh, in this episode as well it's kind of i don't know it's i i i find it reflecting in many ways where white america finds itself right now um in this kind of this polarization and this division and there there's like a crisis of conscience and you've got you know got people you, you got best you got families you got friends who are at loggerheads families being torn apart by political arguments by the polarization that's happening i mean it's it's also really scary times for the world watching america right now because of this because it, it i mean in many ways it's similar to where you guys were before the civil war in this kind of i don't think of, I've, i don't think it's certainly america's never been this divided in my lifetime and uh and I you know i don't my mother certainly says the same thing she doesn't remember it being that as divided in her lifetime so you know it's not the the, the shows the show doesn't make any overt political statements or commentary even though there are a bunch of narcissistic uh, <laughs> shitty white male politicians in the show uh, but it but it certainly does uh, capture I, I feel the mood and uh, a lot of the tension and the undercurrent of what is really going on in an, in america and in the world right now Exactly. Um,
1: we, we've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast that like a lot of the language used in season one and season two is language that you're hearing again today you know and the and the ability for as you say narcissistic politicians the sort of the rich to kind of like turn the poor against each other as opposed to yep. like keep your eyes down so you never look up you know kind of thing and the show it manages to do it in this you know i whenever i try to describe this show i'm like it's like a western meets like a like an asian martial arts movie but with this like really cool undercurrent of like race and politics and importance and and like people's psychology and it's really so much deeper than what you think just seeing like advertisements of like not to lie really awesome fights but there's so much more going
0: on Mm -hmm. and it it feels important yeah exactly that's the word that we are using constantly is this show is so important what it's talking about is so important and
2: Uh, don't even get us started on how
0: could this not be allowed to continue it's just the mind
2: well I, yeah i um it's not that it isn't hasn't been allowed to continue it's just that at the, this point in time it's it's, it's we don't see uh, a, a way for it to but that's not yeah. to say that it can't and it won't and uh everyone involved in the show is we're all on the same page and that we would love to do uh another couple of seasons at least and uh we think the show has could definitely do two or three more really amazing seasons. I think HBO has has, has woken up to the fact that they've got a really amazing show here uh, that they own and you know so so you know th- there is a I suppose a, a ray of light at the end of the tunnel in that the show once it's aired on Cinemax in its entirety is going off to to be put onto HBO's streaming platforms and will right. reach a much larger audience. And um, and I hope that that is the case for for the other Cinemax shows as well, because I I honestly think that they they're all shows that I mean Banshee has got an, an amazing following around the world. Strikeback's exactly. got an amazing following around the world. Mm-hmm. I think they would do, you know, it, 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 they would, HBO would 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 only do well by putting putting these shows up on mm-hmm. you know on their on, on their on their platforms, and I think there's. There's so much that the show has going for it and so little that it has against it that I honestly do believe that it is certainly viable and possible at this point in time for us to, to carry on with the show. We as the cast certainly all feel that way and there, there aren't any of us uh, who, who, who don't want to be involved in, in seeing it having a life after season two, so watch this space.
0: Well, all we need is the tiniest grain of hope. <laughs> and we will we will be all over, you know, promoting yeah. that. So, because it really is, it's just, it's too important to let go away.
1: It's phenomenal. I, I want to ask though about the difficulty because you guys, I want to say, when we started interviewing people during season one, you guys were rapping filming, right? And then it's been like, you know, for, uh, yeah, for season two, and then like it's been like a year and a half since then, and yeah. now it's airing. And and how has yeah. that sort of, I guess, felt for you? The the like sort of delay and and the pushback and everything like that.
2: Look, I mean, it was it was we we kind of felt. I think we all started feeling that something was up with at Cinemax after the kind of mega merger. Happened and and HBO was bought out with the whole AT and more in a media thing and um, we when we did find out that Cinemax was was in all likelihood not going to be long for this world and that the show possibly was not going to be renewed uh, we were obviously all concerned and bummed because we we were all unanimous in the feeling that we had such an amazing show but also because it really has, I mean, you know, a lot of people say this with, about their TV shows that, oh, it's a family. And, you know, the vibe is great on set and everyone gets on so well, but with this show, it really is, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's the truth. This is a family. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, there was a, a serious slump when we got the news, we all felt incredibly depressed. Not just because we feel so strongly that this is a show that the world should see and continue to see, and it's got you know great stories to tell, um, and that we believe we're telling them so well. But it was also, you know, for us uh, not as actors, but just as as people, um, the relationships that we share and the friendships we share, and the friendships we've made on the show. Um, have been so incredible. Uh, uh, I've, I've met, I, you know, there's some friendships that I've, I've rekindled, or um, I suppose have just kind of gone to another place uh, on the show. My, my friendship with Hoon Lee, uh, who obviously I had a relationship with from from Banshee, and and Jonathan Tropper and Lonnie Paris. There, you know, those 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 working our relationships have become so much more than just working relationships now. And, uh, for me, it was really nice to be, to be working on, on, you know, a show like this, of this quality in my hometown, mm. because normally to work on shows like this, I have to go somewhere else. Uh, it's not often that we get to, to, to work on, you know, shows of this quality in Cape town. It was a yeah. There was a, there a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of sadness and the, it was it was really hard. It was a hard pill to swallow when we when we found out that we that Cinemax was was, was coming to an end. I'm sure it was for you guys too. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're really emotionally in it seems invested in, in Cinemax as a as a as a brand and 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 certainly this, you know the shows. Yeah. The show's that you're on it.
1: Yeah, it's been hard. I mean, uh, we were really fortunate um, in working with um, Jack Lothian from Strike Back and, and him sort of inviting us into the Strike Back family and getting to know everybody, you know, in, in front of and behind the camera for so long. Yeah. That, yeah. And I think, you know, Deb has said it again and again that Cinemax does action like nobody else. Um, yeah. It's just a different. It's just a different caliber if if you like action and uh, and it's, so it's, it feels like a real loss for just action fans in general that you're going to lose you know this and I do hope that they end up moving I, I know Warriors moving to HBO Max I hope that that Strike Back and Banshee will get there because I think it seems criminal how uh, uh, how few people have ever heard of them you know and yeah. and it's like these are amazing this mm-hmm. is an amazing television.
0: But they are shows with that continue to garner new fans every day. You know, I, you know, we spend a good amount of time on social media with these shows, and there's never a day where there aren't five or six people in some thread somewhere saying, "Oh my God, I just w- saw the first season of Strike Back. It's amazing!" You know, and they don't even realize that it's not on anymore. And yeah, you know, it's like. It's so hard to see that go away because it really did just raise the bar so high and every year raised it higher and higher. And so like, you know, Warrior benefited from that because the bar was already so high and then Warrior hits the scene. It's like, oh my God, how can it get any better? And it did, you know, and better even again this season. So, you know, I remember there was a, um, the new, New York Times, in reviewing Strike Back, had that little tagline where they said it was the thinking man's guilty pleasure, and I'm like, yes, because it's a smart show. Cinemax action is smart, and no, we're not guilty about <laughs> loving this show. <laughs> we're smart, and we like to see people blow shit up, <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and Warrior just you know just keeps raising the bar in terms of intelligence and amazing action, and yeah, production. The oh, the, the production values good. on this show are nuts. Yeah, so good.
2: So I think the you know it's also um, the show came to Cape Town at a time when you know you, you we've had a good uh, twenty to thirty year period now of uh, our film and TV crews here really kind of uh learning from the some of the best uh hod's in the world that have come through here you know because we've shot obviously so many big big budget films and tv shows over the years here Uh, so our crews are phenomenal Um, i mean michael sneaman who was you know our our dop through both seasons you know we alternated dops from block to block and uh, Michael was, was alternating, he was DOP on season one and two. And I don't know about you, but from a cinema cinematog- cinematographic? Cin- <laughs> cinematography, from a cinematography <laughs> point of view. Uh, <laughs> Not recording um, the stuff. <laughs> yeah. You might need to get me in for some ADR on that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but, you know, from, from a cinematography point of view, episode one, which was the episode that, that Jonathan Tropper directed himself, I just thought the cinematography on that episode, I thought every single shot was... was like a, 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 a masterpiece in and of itself. And, you know, you that is, that is. I guess, it's one of the reasons why Jonathan has taken Michael on over to... He's busy shooting... Uh, you know, this apple Apple TV show, see mm-hmm. um, Jason Mamo's new show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Jonathan's taken Michael across there as his as his DOP on that. And uh, you see why because he's Michael spent the last twenty years of his career working with, the, with some of the world's greats and learning from the greats. And he's one of the greats now himself. It's, and it's so um, you know it's it's also it's a it's a great opportunity for this show was a, a great opportunity for South Africa as an industry uh just to say to the world uh don't forget about us
0: mm-hmm.
2: we uh you know we're a little country we're a small country but uh we got we got some heavy hitters down here too
1: yeah and we can be anywhere you need us to be yeah. <laughs> can't just yeah. like anything. <laughs> we,
2: we can go anywhere we can be quarantined if you want us to we're very good at isolating <laughs> Lots of compliance here. We wear masks. Been very good at social distancing. Just saying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you are. It is one of the few places right now that you know has continued to shoot actively throughout most yeah. of. It. So, think. Yeah. All the television we're going to have, and which is amazing because know, you're going right? to see some of the best stuff ever. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: when you first. Got involved and got the script or something. Did you, I guess, what drew you to it? What did you understand the heft of what was going to be behind this show? Like, this how big and important the topics and stuff were.
2: I didn't, you know, I didn't really. I just thought, I mean, what I had heard, I don't know if you know the story of how I actually ended up on the show, but it was, it, I love telling the story because it was one of those. Moments in my life where I kind of—I've never been a religious person. Um, I suppose I've become somewhat more spiritual as I've got older. But it was one of those moments where I was reminded or told, I, I guess, that nothing happens by accident. That that mm. there's just there's—you get these little kind of I suppose signals or messages sometimes in your life that that. Uh, there must be some kind of higher power. And it was, for, for me, the moment when I kind of got onto the show, it was one of those times. I had been uh, living in the States and was needing to come back and spend more time in South Africa to, to, to spend time with my kids um, because they'd kind of said, you know what? You, you're not spending all this time uh, near us. is not okay with us. So we need you to spend more time at home. I had just moved back to Cape Town, to kind of spend half my year here, half the year in LA. And uh, I'd got back to Cape Town. I'd been living in LA for three years and kind of, you know, I'd, I'd been out of town for a while and no one really knew me uh, or knew that I was back. And no one it was kind of like, I was old news. I was like, oh, him, he's he's not one of us anymore. He's, he went off to LA. He's he's not really a <laughs> Cape Tonian anymore. So He sold out. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sold the devil and moved to, moved to Hollywood. And I was, I was busy shooting a, a film called Mia and the White Lion, uh, which is available on Amazon, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, we shot this film, which essentially revolves around the relationship between a child and a lion. And we shot it over a four-year period so that the, you can actually see the child and the lion growing during the course of the film and it was real live action we didn't I mean the amazing thing about the film is that none of it was faked it was all. Real interaction between the child and the lion and I had come back to South Africa, because my kids had told me I had to, but I also had to be here to shoot a block of this film and I I knew that JT was. Uh, was coming down to, to shoot a pilot of a, a kung fu series. That's all I knew because I'd, I'd been chatting to Lonnie who Lonnie and I are good, good mates. And uh, Lonnie had said, yeah, Jonathan's coming down to shoot the, uh, the pilot for his, his new series, his kung fu series. And suddenly, uh, I got word that my dates on my Lion film had been pushed because Melanie Long, who was my, my co-star in the film, she was shooting something else that had, you know, that, that had been delayed. So we had like a two or three week delay in our shooting. And I realized that I was going to be in town at the same time as as JT, just for a few days before I had to go up and shoot. And I was going for a run uh, on the kind of coastal road in Hout Bay, which is where I lived at the time. And on the beach down below where I was running, I saw this man practicing what I just, I just saw it as, it looked like Tai Chi uh, on the beach. Uh, in fact, it was Tai Chi, but it, he, he turned out to be a real life Kung Fu Sifu master. Uh, wow. and, and I was drawn to going to have a conversation with him while he was, he had a sword in his hand and was doing Tai Chi with a sword in his hand while standing on one leg and balancing a plastic water bottle on, on the top of oh his head. Goodness. And I just kind of sat there, stood there, mesmerized by this guy for over five or ten minutes. And when he finished, I went over to him and I said, "You know what? I um, I see what you're doing here. It looks incredible. Tell me a bit about who you are, what you do." And he said, "Well, I'm. I'm. This is me." And he actually gave me his business card and said, "I'm a kung fu master, and I train people. And I, you know, I'm here indefinitely from China." And uh, and I said, you know, would you be interested in maybe working on a, a TV show? Because I actually have a friend who's coming to 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 shoot a, a kung fu series here soon and he might be able to use you. And he said, Absolutely, please put my name in the in the hat if that's a, a at all a possibility. So I emailed JT right there and then from the beach and said, Listen, man, I've just met this guy. I know you're coming. Uh Soon to shoot your pilot. And this guy looks amazing, and he's the real deal, and he might be of some value to you. And by the way, my dates have been pushed on my movie, so let's do dinner if we can. I I went home and and about half an hour later, my inbox pinged, and it was Jonathan, and he said, Can I call you? I said, Sure. And uh he did. And he was in New York, uh, so it was pretty early in the morning there, and uh, And he said, listen, man, I just got your email. I want to know how far have your dates been pushed on your project? Because I try to get you onto my pilot, but your agent said you were unavailable because you were shooting this line film. I said, yeah, it's it's just, you know, been pushed by a couple of weeks. Um, So I think I'll only be in town for about a a week uh, while you're here shooting your pilot. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd love to get you to read for this part that I had you in mind for, because I think you'd be perfect for him and and maybe you know we can we can see what we can do about the dates and make them work because it would be a shame for you not to be able to do this series just because of a, a one or two unavailable days and um, I said, sure, so he sent me the script and sent me some some audition sides, and I taped the scenes that he sent me that weekend uh, I think the next day at home with some friends and sent them off, and I got an email back the next day to say HBO and Cinemax have approved you, and uh, there you go. <laughs> we <We're> away.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh,
2: I had no idea uh, going into the pilot uh, of the kind of socio political
0: mm-hmm. uh,
2: significance that the show ha- would have, and that it did have. Um because of course that you know I had 24 hours to read the script before yeah. I before <laughs> I set the table. So I was I was just going to the parts where I could find me.
0: Yeah. And skimming over the other <laughs> the other
2: insignificant boring stuff. Who's <laughs> this Assam guy? He's he's no one. <laughs> so um but yeah, isn't that incredible how what resonance the show has um in terms of where we are. In the world right now, it's um, it's, it's kind of mind blowing how on the money. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: They were. In a, I
1: was gonna say, and they sport. shot started shooting kind of before things. Not not that there hasn't always been tension, but I think yeah. season one was shooting. I think that's one of the things that Karen had said. Like you guys yeah. sort of came out of shooting and were like, "Oh
0: wait, it feels What's like the world." Yeah. And... yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I think that's, a, again, the style of shooting that the Cinemax shows use
2: mm.
0: is just, you know, lends itself to this type of cast bonding that really translates onto the screen, that you're, yeah. you're kind of isolated from the world and you live in this show and, you know, it shows yeah. on screen. If this isn't a cast and crew that really is a team and really working toward the betterment yeah. of the show at all times, you don't get the magic yeah. that you get with something like warrior, Absolutely. you know, and Absolutely. that sort of isolated block style of shooting is just yeah. tailor made for that.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we were, what
0: scenes did you film for that self tape? Because do you
2: remember? I'd wow. love to know what it was that. Yeah. Um, I do remember one of them actually didn't make it into the, uh, we, we ended up dropping one of the audition scenes and not shooting it. Um, it was, they were both, uh, no, in fact, I think one scene was from the pilot and one might have been from episode two. Or two, there were two audition scenes from the pilot and there was one from episode two. But it was, um, it was, one of them was the scene in which I'm kind of admonishing the mayor just after he's given his first public address. And, uh and I'm kind of giving him a thorough beating after he's he's walked off.
0: Yeah, All puffed up. He's, yeah. Thinking,
2: <laughs> he's he's thinking that he's just, you know, made the political speech. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of pull the rug out from under him, as Buckley <laughs> tends to do.
1: Yes, he I'm is the, good at that. True
2: that bursts his bubble on a regular basis.
1: Man, that's great. Well, we appreciate you, you know, spending so much time with us and chatting and we obviously love Buckley and love your other work, you know, just happy to see a few of our favorite shows. Um, uh, can you tell us, are you, I mean, I know you guys ha- are still working some there. Are you working on anything in the meantime or just quarantining? How is life?
2: Yeah, not, not so much quarantining. Uh, the, you know, the stuff is, production is starting up again here now. Um, all the international productions that were slated for this year have basically been put on hold until next year. Um, but I've got, I've got four pro- film projects lined up and waiting to go as soon as it's kind of all clear. So uh, two of them are local South African kind of small budget productions. Um, one, one is uh, based on a true story, and it's about a political kind of uh, hostage situation, hostage drama. Mm-hmm. And the other is uh, a science fiction, kind of post-apocalyptic Post post virus uh, pandemic uh, situation, and it's got a it's a really amazing script. Very excited about it. It's um, uh, actually an American female writer and a, a young South African female director, and really good vision in terms of the feel of the of the production. It's basically the hero of the of the film is. Uh, as a woman on her own and it's kind of I suppose you know there are elements of oh god I mean it's the world right now it's, 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 she's having to kind of take the war to the old patriarchal system all mm. on her own which is quite cool and uh, the part that I would be playing in that I guess is
0: the old patriarchal system that would be my guess yeah.
2: We always need one of those in yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the other two are, are, are film projects. That one is shooting in Egypt, and one is shooting here oh. in our international project. So there's stuff in the pipeline. We're all just waiting to kind of be given permission to, yeah. to get up and do it. So for now, it's really this year has just been about survival, uh, and and trying to trying to save money and 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 pay for kids' tuition and medical bills and. You know, I personally, it's been a hard year for me just because there's been a lot that's been going on for my kids. And uh, so in a way, um, it's it's been a blessing that I haven't been working now because I've needed to be present as a, as a father and uh, and uh, just kind of, you know, I've been working on, on I've, been, <laughs> I've been writing a book. I've always wanted to get started so I'm I'm I I'm, I'm guess I'm 30,000 words into a novel uh, Nice.
0: Wow.
2: which is so I haven't been doing nothing <laughs> I've been been managing to yeah. keep busy um, and uh, yeah I'm, but I'm, I'm I'm ready to get back on set now and and start working mm-hmm. uh, as as I know most of the most of the, yeah. the television and, and film industry is it's been a hard hard year for us all and and let's hope i'm i'm hoping and uh and praying for you guys uh there in the states that that this ends off on a positive note because because this whole year we've been saying well it can't possibly get any worse and there's
0: (laughs) something else (laughs) i'm challenging that
1: Like, this is the year that like murder oh. hornets were a thing and it was like a day. And then they were like, we don't have time to care about this. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: So yeah, I just, I just hope you guys are able to pull together as a nation and, and find the, the humanity and goodness in each other again and, and in your country. Cause it's an amazing country and I have a lot to, you know, I I have so much love for the U S and it's given me so much in my life. And, um, I have some amazing friends and family there. And, uh, yeah, man, we just know that the rest of the world is rooting for you guys and, and, and sending love and hoping that you, you guys are able to, to see the, the beauty and humanity in each other and in your amazing country. And, and, uh, I know that we're waiting for you guys. <laughs> Thanks and tune in next week for another Need to Know session at The Crib. Follow us on Twitter at Strike Back crib. Out.